freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. It's time to hear from the top Christian litigators in the nation who have come forward to tell us the truth and help us defend our faith. Hear ye, hear ye. All rise. Faith on trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano is in session. Welcome to Faith on Trial today. I'm Deacon Mike Mano. I'm rolling solo today. Uh, we're going to have an interesting uh, interview today with uh, uh, Joe Davis from the Beckett Fund. He's going to talk about some cases that are involving whether or not the government can force uh, Christian and Catholic doctors and hospitals and people who are have a, a serious moral objections to certain uh, uh, procedures if the government can force them to do those procedures or if um, they have an exemption. And we're going to talk about a particular case that's uh, out of the Fifth Circuit right now, and uh, we're going to get to that in just a minute, but let us open with our prayer. We're going to open with the Hail Mary because uh, today is uh, September 8th, which is the memorial of the Blessed Virgin's birthday. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes with Joe Davis from the Beckett Fund. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by Divine Treasures, a Catholic book and gift store serving the Des Moines community since 1992. Divine Treasures, 5701 Hickman Road, Des Moines, 515-255-5230. Thank you, Divine Treasures, for your support of Iowa Catholic Radio. Matt Wilcom here from Iowa Catholic Radio. I'd like to thank you for your continued support of this apostolate. Because of you, we're reaching more souls in more ways than ever before. Whether you've had your faith strengthened by either our talk or music channels, or if you've been impacted by one of our other outreach initiatives, you experience firsthand the value Iowa Catholic Radio brings to the Catholic and Christian community. If you haven't made the decision yet to become a family member, please consider a $30 a month sustaining gift. Just visit iowacatholicradio.com and welcome to the family. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio comes from Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory. Caldwell Parish offers services that are unique to the individual while following the Catholic funeral rites. Caldwell Parish Funeral Home and Crematory, Des Moines' only Catholic-owned and operated funeral home. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by CTO. What great news for donors to the Catholic Tuition Organization. You now receive 75% of your donation back in Iowa tax credits. Your support has helped thousands of students attend our Catholic schools. Best gift ever. Online. CTOIowa.org. At CTO, the bottom line, it's for the kids and their future. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio is provided by Paul Martin and Paul Mitchell, owners of Imogene Ingredients. Imogene Ingredients supply specialized feed ingredients for livestock and pet diets to improve maternal and young animal health in both conventional and organic production. And we're back. This is the Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, and we have with us today uh, Joe Davis, who is from the attorney with the Beckett Fund, and if anybody um, who has been listening for any amount of time certainly knows that the Beckett Fund is one of the leading organizations that protect our religious liberties in the courts throughout the land. And uh, Joe is with us today to talk about a case down in the Fifth Circuit that has to do with forcing medical providers to perform uh, activities or perform services that they consider to be sinful or harmful. So Joe, good morning to you. How are you today? 
Good morning. I'm doing quite well. Good, good, good. Um, this case, if may, let's start at the very beginning because I think that's the best place to always start. Uh, what is this case, Franciscan Alliance? Uh, where did it come from? How long has it been percolating? And what is the latest uh, um, uh, court ruling from, uh, from the Fifth Circuit? Sure. So this is a case, a very important case, about a federal government effort to, to force medical providers to perform gender transitions and abortions, even if it's contrary to their medical judgment, even if it's contrary to their religious beliefs. And the case uh, has, had its origin in a, in a rule that was, that was promulgated by the Obama administration back in 2016. And what the rule did is it said the Affordable Care Act prohibits sex discrimination. Okay, Sex discrimination includes discrimination based on gender identity and termination of pregnancy. And that means that if you're a doctor and you would perform a, a certain procedure for, uh, for, for certain purposes, let's say you would do a, a mastectomy for a cancer patient, you would have to do the same thing for a gender transition or else you're committing sex discrimination and you lose all your federal funding. You can't participate in Medicare, can't participate in Medicaid. These are crippling penalties. Sure. Um, now, so now, let me stop you right there because sure. this idea of uh, sexual identity as part of uh, discrimination on account of sex is kind of new, isn't it? I mean, that's not in the law anywhere. That's, that's correct. The law is about sex discrimination, which I think is – most naturally understood, and, and everybody, you know, I, I suspect that every congressperson that voted on it thought it meant uh, male and female, not, not gender identity, not abortion. Um, so th- that's exactly right. Uh, and so you know, this is sort of a novel interpretation of the statute, and then its consequences were even more, uh, even more harmful. Right. Now, to con- continue this just a little bit further, not to labor the point, but Congress has had before it several um, – Amendment proposed amendments that would have changed that definition, and they've voted them down. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. All right. Yeah, which is which is very, very powerful evidence that you know that's that's not what they meant when they enacted it. Right. Um, at, at the same time, you have you know a U.S. Supreme Court decision that came a couple of years ago called called Bostock, and that decision did interpret Title Seven. Uh, which is the employment discrimination right. law, which is different from the healthcare discrimination law that we're talking about here. But the employment discrimination law has a prohibition on sex discrimination, and the court said that does include, at least in some circumstances, you know, firing somebody because of their transgender status. So, you know, that that decision, uh, you know, sort of sort of right or wrong, like w- when you import that into the Affordable Care Act, which is what we're talking about here, right. it has these devastating consequences on uh, on religious healthcare providers, and that's what was really teed up in the Franciscan case that well, we're talking about. And I thought in that Bostock case, that, that's the one, the labor case, wasn't it? Uh, Correct. Justice Gorsuch went, kind of bent over backwards to say in that case that this only reply, applies in employment situations, none others. That's right. He's, he's very clear that he's interpreting that law, right, not other laws. Right. Um, he also go, goes out of his way, bent over backwards, as you say, to flag, you know, the extreme importance of religious liberty. He says that this is not a religious liberty case. So I'm, I'm saying what I'm saying about the meaning of the law, but if you have a person that's covered by it and their religious exercise is, is burdened by it, then they may well be entitled to an exemption, and that's, that's for another case to decide. So mm-hmm. there is that, that part of the case which uh, turned out to be 
turned out to be helpful in the Franciscan case that we're talking about. Okay. So now we've got uh, this new ruling by the uh, Obama administration that uh, sex discrimination also means discrimination on the base of gender identity. Is that about right? Yes. Okay. So how do we end up in the Fifth Circuit then? And, and how does yeah. Franciscan Alliance get involved in all this? Well, um, Franciscan Alliance is a, is a Catholic healthcare, the Catholic hospital system. Uh, they, uh, they, they treat every patient uh, with, with dignity and respect. They treat every patient that, co- that comes through their doors for everything from cancer to the common cold. Uh, but what they can't do is participate in certain procedures that violate their, uh, their religious beliefs about sexuality and the human person. They follow the, the ethical and religious directives of the U.S. Catholic Conference of Bishops. Right. Um, and then, uh, and that includes gender transition procedures and abortion procedures. So when this new regulation from the Obama administration came down, uh, we at the Beckett Fund represented Franciscan Alliance, uh, as well as a group called the Christian Medical and Dental Associations, which is a, a nationwide membership organization of Christian healthcare providers. And we filed a lawsuit against, uh, against the administration and said, you can't impose this requirement on us uh, because of a federal civil rights protection for religious freedom called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Okay, and and the response back then? Yeah, so um, the response, well, we got a we got a terrific victory at the at the court. So uh, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is a is a law that says if if your religious exercise is being burdened, if you're forced to be if you're if you're being forced to do something that, that runs contrary to your conscience, uh, you can get an exception from that unless the government shows that it has a really good reason, a compelling reason, is the language of the law, to require you to do this thing. And we said, you can't show that here, right? Uh, maybe you want to increase the access to these procedures. Maybe that's your goal. I'm not sure that's a, that's, that's a very laudable goal. But th- if that's the goal you're pursuing, uh, that doesn't allow you to go out and conscript the religious people uh, to provide it for you. There are other ways that the federal government can increase access to these, these procedures if that's what it wants to do, besides requiring healthcare providers who object to them uh, to participate. And the court agreed with that argument, said we went under RIFRA and gave us this uh, a permanent injunction protecting Franciscan Alliance and the CMDA from having to perform these procedures. Okay, now this is back a couple of years ago, correct? Correct. Okay, and uh, but some things have happened in the meantime that got you back in court again. Yeah, that's right. So, um, Effectively, what happened was that you know the the legal landscape shifted a little bit. So, at when the when the when the court first said you win, your RIFRA claim is a good one. Uh, by that time, the administration had shifted. So the Obama administration was the first one. Then the Trump administration came in, and the Trump administration didn't really, um, you know, they signaled uh, in some ways that they agreed that that religious healthcare providers couldn't be forced to provide these. Uh, procedures. And so there were certain respects in which uh, the court decided that, well, I don't really need to give you a permanent injunction. I don't need to give you all the protection you're asking for. I just need to say, well, that old rule, that Obama rule, I'm getting rid of it, and then you can come back to me if you need more. Um, Well, it turned out we did, in fact, need more, because then the administration's changed again. The administration flip-flopped on this issue, and then they started signaling they were coming hard after healthcare providers that objected in these areas. They issued guidance that said, yeah, it violates uh, the Affordable Care Act if you uh, disagree with gender transition procedures. We're going to come after you, and we're going to impose these penalties. 
So at that point, we very much needed that broad protection that we had originally sought. And so we had to go back to court to get it. Okay. And it came back in, in I, I guess, the Fifth Circuit. It went back up to the Fifth Circuit. Is that right? Or had it been to the Fifth Circuit before? Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, not, not to, to belabor the procedural uh, intricacies too much, but yes. So it went up. I'm a lawyer. I'm used to being in the weeds. On okay, this. great. <laughs> great. Yeah, I didn't know. Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, we, we didn't get our permanent injunction the first time around. We appealed that to the Fifth Circuit, said we need that permanent injunction, especially given everything that's happened in the meantime. And the Fifth Circuit sent the case back down and remanded the case to the trial court and said, look, there's been a lot of new developments. There's a new administration. Um, think about this issue again, trial court. And then the district court on remand gave us that permanent injunction. And then the government, the Biden administration, appealed that to the Fifth Circuit. And that's the decision we just got the that's other day. That's the decision you got. Okay. So what yeah. does the decision say? The decision affirms the permanent injunction that the district court gave. It said uh, the district court was correct to give that injunction. It rejects the government's arguments against it, which were largely uh, procedural arguments, and says uh, that's correct. The government cannot require these plaintiffs, the Franciscan Alliance or the nationwide CMDA, to, to, be, to perform or ensure gender transitions or abortion. It's a permanent injunction. It applies going forward, sort of regardless of the precise mechanism that the government tries to use to get the uh, to get these parties to perform those procedures. Okay. Now, is this the final stop, or are you looking for the government to maybe appeal this again? The government could appeal. That's right. They could either seek what's called en banc rehearing or, mm -hmm. you know, full court, well, you know this, full, full court rehearing, get the whole Fifth Circuit back together. Right. Or they could go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Now, the Fifth uh, both Circuit. Both those options. Okay. I was going to say the Fifth yeah. Circuit seems to be a conservative circuit, that you are likely to prevail in the Fifth Circuit. There, there are a number of judges on the Fifth Circuit that are very, that are, that are appropriately friendly to religious liberty. Good. We hope they, they stay that way. Okay. <laughs> so you have this, uh, this permanent injunction now. Uh, let's talk about the impact of this case and what is happening nationwide in this particular area where you have the government coming in and trying to force Catholic and other uh, religious institutions to do things against their beliefs and against uh, the dictates of their conscience. Uh, where are we in these? It seems to me that every time I turn around, there's another one of these that's popping up someplace. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there are, there are federal efforts along these lines. This case that we're talking about just now is one of them, although there are others. And then there are similar sort of efforts at the state level in certain states to try to impose uh, similar requirements. And we see it on the gender transition front and also on the abortion front. Uh, and, you know, that's why this case is actually is, is quite significant, um, because this is this is the first case that's gone up to a federal court of appeals on this question uh, th that I'm aware of, of requiring you know, doctors to perform gender transitions contrary to their to their beliefs and medical judgment. So it's a powerful precedent that we hope will be uh, very influential in these other cases. There's actually another one that's pending at the Eighth Circuit right now, which is another federal court of appeals My um, that involves, you know, virtually identical issues to the Franciscan case. And we're expecting an opinion on that one any, any day now. Is uh, Beckett handling that one, too? Yes. 
uh, so I take it it's probably a, a pretty much identical case. It's it's a virtually identical case, and uh, so you know we're very we're expecting the Eighth Circuit to follow what the Fifth Circuit did. Uh, if they don't, I think we'd you know present that as a circuit split that the U.S. Supreme Court would likely be sure. uh, open to resolving. Okay, uh, how many others are there around the country that are that are bordering on these issues? Yeah, there's another similar case that's in a district court in North Dakota. On uh, behalf of a group called the Christian Employers Alliance, mm-hmm. that's uh, uh, there is, um, and then so these are the cases where parties are suing the federal government, but then there's also this other category of cases which are, uh, you know, individuals suing Catholic, Catholic, and other religious hospitals. So the person who's denied their gender transition procedure when they go to a Catholic hospital then turns around and sues, or an employee at a Catholic hospital who wants their gender transition procedures to be covered by the uh, health insurance plan sues the sues the, uh, the hospital. And these cases are a little different because they're not – well, they, they don't fall within the exact injunction that we're looking at in Franciscan and, and in the Eighth Circuit case. Um, but it's the same underlying religious freedom issue. Can the hospitals be forced to perform these procedures? So I would look for those to uh, generate uh, – to, to generate decisions from courts in, in the coming months or years. Now, I know the abortion issue has been uh, prominent in some of these cases early on, but now it seems that there's more and more emphasis on this uh, gender transition uh, type of surgery. Yeah, and it's it's striking because it's it's sort of at the very same moment that in other countries, like in Western Europe, um, the medical profession and the, and the you know, legal regulators are sort of rethinking this very uh, aggressively pro-gender transition approach. They're saying, well, you know, wait a minute, maybe we should be pumping the brakes on this a little bit. There's not a lot of good evidence out there for, for benefits. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of evidence out there for harms. Uh, maybe we should rethink how, you know, aggressively we're pushing these things. But at the very same time that that's going on in other countries, you have, you know, the federal government in this country doubling down and saying, you know, not only is this the right approach, uh, we're going to mandate as a matter of federal law. So if you're a doctor and you read the evidence differently, you know, too bad. You can either get out of the profession or, or get into line. So it's it's really striking to see that happening at the same time, uh, and that's why these, these cases are very important. Right. When we talk about gender transition, in the news a lot, or recently anyway, there's been a number of uh, incidents with uh, minors, some very young, who are undergoing gender transition uh, do you know if, if Beckett is handling any of those? Are you familiar with any of those? Uh, yeah. So you mean well. So I mean, the the interpretation of the Affordable Care Act that we're talking about here didn't distinguish between adults and minors. It said, you know, patients, right? So uh, that's included. But but cases specifically involving minors, yeah, I, um, I I think you're right. Those cases are out there. They would, and what's the um upshot for them, do you, do you think? Obviously, they haven't all been decided yet. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure that there's any that are pending in a court anywhere, but it seems to be the next trend that's going to come your way somehow. Yeah, and there are different varieties of these cases too, right? There are cases where, you know, some public schools are saying, you know, we want to encourage transitions of minors, and, and we don't want the parents to be a part of that. And that presents extremely compelling religious liberty, parental rights issues. Um, and then there are issues, again, in the healthcare context where the minors are seeking the transitions from the doctors. And, yeah, I mean, these are even, you know, uh, these really should be even more 
straightforward cases because you know there is a lot of a lot of data out there about uh, minors who identify as transgender, and the vast majority, just the overwhelming majority of them, uh, end up effectively growing out of that. Right? It's called they desist is mm-hmm. is the language that's used in the in the uh, in the studies. And so if that's true, then there's it's just it's it's quite odd to think that we would uh, you know permit or require these sometimes irreversible procedures when we know there's an extremely high uh, desistance rate. So you yes. know, those are... Especially when there's a, a child that's making the decision that isn't old enough to make his own decisions in other areas. Right. If, if he right. doesn't have, have, can't vote, uh, doesn't have the uh, authority to contract because he's not an adult yet, uh, theoretically, uh, his parents are supposed to be his guardians and speak for him, yet we see over and over as you point out, that these schools are trying to cut the parents out. Yes. That's yes, and, and in, those, in those cases, you have religious liberty claims. You have, you know, we have a, a strong tradition in this country of, of parental rights, which is itself a, 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 you know, been recognized under the Constitution. So you have sort of overlapping protections for the parents uh, in those cases that I would expect to see, uh, expect to see litigated. Okay, in this whole genre now of uh, of uh, litigation, where do you see all this going? Is it is it going to end sometime <laughs> in the next uh, few <laughs> years, or is it going to keep going on where we're going to be kind of picked apart every time we turn around and say, no, I have a religious objection to that, and then bingo, we have to take a vaccine? Yeah, I I, I don't know. It's it's always uh you know it's always a difficult task to predict. To predict the future, I think we're getting powerful precedents on the right side of these of these issues, and then you know I'm also I'm hopeful that you know in the in the long term, um, so you know the the medical data that's pointing in the direction of you know we're just not sure about this. Like there's a lot of reasons to think that these are objectionable. Um, That will sort of carry the day, right? Uh, And and what 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 the case what the religious liberty cases are doing. Is creating space for doctors who have those views, both as a matter of medical judgment and a, and a matter of religious liberty, to continue to, to have them, to continue to assert them, and to continue to make their voice heard. And if we, you know, if we have a critical mass of that going on, then I think you could see a, a positive resolution on the nationwide level. Yeah, and I know that uh, Beckett is uh, involved in a lot of those cases. If somebody wants to follow their cases uh, on the website, what's the web address? Sure, we're at BeckettLaw.org. Uh, we also have a website that's specifically about the transgender mandate issues, which is what we're calling these cases. That's at transgendermandate.org. Uh, and you can see all the cases that we're working on uh, on our main website, which, again, is Beckett Law. And uh, you do all of these cases pro bono, correct? That's correct. We're and a pro bono nonprofit law firm. A nonprofit. So uh, the uh, uh, contributions are tax deductible. Is that right? That's correct. So if somebody wants to uh, drop some change in the mail to you, they can send it to uh, somebody at that address. I guess you've got a, a, a place on there where people can donate, but it would certainly be a good way to help out uh, religious liberty. So I would encourage people to do that. Joe, I want to thank, thank you for you. joining us today. I certainly appreciate the time and effort and everything involved in this, and uh, we'll keep in touch because this is something that uh, uh, we deal with all the time in this program, especially the transgender issues with children in school. And um, so we hear a lot about that. But anyway, I want to thank you very much for joining us. Certainly appreciate it. God bless you and your work. 
Thank you very much. It's delighted to be here. Certainly. And we will be back in just a couple of minutes. It can be easy to look at how someone is dressing or acting and judge them. But have you ever thought about how much grace is available in these situations? The next time someone makes a questionable decision, instead of judging and condemning, uphold their dignity for them. We do greater good by lifting them up in prayer and respecting their personhood than if we mentally tear them apart in our thoughts. We can uphold the dignity of others even when they are unable to recognize their own value. Father PJ McManus here from Be Not Afraid. Join me along with Iowa Catholic Radio's Matt Wilkham for our Footprints of God Holy Land pilgrimage, November the 12th through the 21st of 2023. We'll see the Church of the Visitation, touch the top of Mount Calvary, and visit the famous Western Wall. Plus, expert pilgrimage guide and Catholic convert Steve Ray will be right there to bring the Bible to life at every site. Don't miss Iowa Catholic Radio's 2023 Holy Land pilgrimage. Early bird pricing available. Details at iowacatholicradio.com. Support for Iowa Catholic Radio provided by the Knights of Columbus, Foreman and Pfeiffer Agencies, specializing in life insurance, long-term care insurance, disability income insurance, and retirement annuities. Are you looking for a career? We are in search of men with an entrepreneurial spirit and a strong desire to live Catholic values. Knights of Columbus is seeking field agents to serve throughout the state of Iowa. Visit kofc.org careers. The Knights of Columbus need you now, and one day you might need the Knights. That's kofc.org careers to learn more. The leading Catholic voices are on the largest Catholic media network in Iowa. Father Wade Menezes, Anna Mitchell, Dr. David Anders. You're listening to the Iowa Catholic Radio Network. You're back. You're listening to Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio. Um, We just finished with... um, Joe Davis, who is an attorney with the Beckett Fund, had an interesting conversation with him about some religious liberty issues in medical care. And uh, we're going to pray for uh, Joe and all the people, all the attorneys out there that work with him. And again, I'm going to remind you that this is the uh, memorial of the birth of the Blessed Virgin. So this is her birthday. If you want to send your mother a nice gift, you might want to add an extra rosary tonight if you're not already doing one anyway. Let us... And with our defender's prayer. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who roam about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Well, that's it for this week. We will see you again next week, same time. In the meantime, uh, have a blessed and peaceful day. Our freedom of conscience and religion is being challenged by laws and regulations imposed by secular society. Faith on Trial with Defender of the Faith, Deacon Mike Mano. Faith on Trial on Iowa Catholic Radio, iowacatholicradio.com, and the Iowa Catholic Radio app.